Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, Jim, yesterday was Nick Saban. Uh, we talked about uh, leaving at Alabama. Today it's Bill Belichick as it becomes official that he's leaving the New England Patriots uh, but still wants to coach. Uh, boy, what a monumental shakeup in the coaching landscape for those two sports to have maybe the two best coaches in their respective spots uh, leave there where they were uh, within 48 hours of each other. Yes, and then you add in Pete Carroll, who's also a, yes. a future Hall of Fame coach. It's, it's stunning. And what's really stunning is this, the Seahawks' ownership. Uh, Carroll's really close to John Schneider, the uh, GM who came from Minnesota, mm-hmm. and I think he was a St. John's guy. And <clears throat> so Schneider didn't fire Carroll. This is an upper management president uh, uh, ownership decision. And it's very interesting to see them get rid of Pete Carroll because he's so likable and he's been so successful. Now, is the, the red mark on his resume this year is his defense got really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe they think at 72, he's not the right guy to rebuild that defense, and I understand that. But it's still a stunning move. And then Belichick, you know, I've been saying all season, I don't think Kraft even likes Belichick, so I don't know why he would keep him around after he stops winning and after he's destroyed the, the roster. So mm-hmm. this is logical. Saban is, it, Saban is in the category of you're surprised when you hear the news, but you're really not surprised deep down. Mm-hmm. Because... He had elevated himself to a point where if he didn't win a national championship, this season was a failure. Mm-hmm. And that's got to get old. No matter how much money you're making, no matter who you are, that's got to get old. And listen, he's had a, he has a, I'm not making him sound like a, uh, a charity case or anything like that. He, he's had a great life. He's made a million, you know, $100 million, if not $200 million. He's, uh, he can do whatever he wants with his life. But I would imagine once you've won at that level to get – chipped at every time you lose any game anywhere under any circumstances might wear you out a little bit yeah he he obviously had to be thinking about it but i i saw a report that said he had just been interviewing assistant coaches potentially like an hour before he made the announcement to his players it was almost like he heard something or something went on uh that he didn't like and he just said i just don't want to do this anymore uh and he he also referenced it's not about the same thing anymore. It's about who can get the biggest NIL deal. It sounds like the the new rules are are chafing one old guy, Nick Saban, the wrong way. Which is funny because I'm sure he's doing great in NIL. Every Alabama business wants to invest in Alabama athletes, so I don't think it's an impediment. I just don't think he likes the process or that that has to be a part of your recruiting pitch anymore. It's it's annoying. I get it. so, you know, just stunning news around the league. And then, then you have Harbaugh maybe about to leave Michigan right. after winning a national championship to go to L.A. or, or someplace else. It, it, it's, it's really a stunning week. Yeah, and then you throw Mike Vrabel in there as well at Tennessee, yep. which was really kind of a shocker. Uh, uh, you know, there's some big-time free agent coaches available right now. No doubt. And, listen, Vrabel falls in that category of Paul Molitor. Mm-hmm. You're not playing for the guy who hired you. Yep. Uh, I think it's first chance, first time to have a mediocre or bad season. You're out. They're going to go get their own person. And Brable's a strong-willed guy, a little you know tart-tongued. Uh, my guess is that he didn't love all the options he was given this year to try to win with. Um, and I, I think he's the obvious choice in New England if, if they're looking for an obvious choice. Yeah, you know, I heard uh, today. Uh, um, who was it who said it? Uh, Anyway, somebody that I respect uh, said that uh, uh, he mentioned uh, Brian Flores' name in association with New England as well because of his connections, of course, to the Patriots uh, program also. It's an easy name to throw out there for all those reasons. It's a mm-hmm. logical name. I don't see it. Okay. Uh, Flores' team 
I think Flores is really good. I think he showed in the middle of the season when he had enough players healthy and familiar with the scheme that this defense can be great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this was one of the best defenses in the NFL for about 10 weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, they collapsed. But, you know, you're talking about the NFL. It doesn't hire a high percentage of black coaches. Uh, who The league is being sued by Brian Flores. So your employee is looking at you like, okay, this is somebody, if something doesn't go right, he might sue me for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not sure he'd be able to come in and win right away. You think he's a good coach, but you're just, you know, um, he wasn't winning big in Miami. I don't think it was his fault. And his team played terrible defense the last four weeks. I, I think there, there are too many marks against him for him to be a top candidate in this field. Also, when we talked to him right before the season ended, he made it sound like he loves it here. He thinks it's been a great reset for him, him and his family. He likes. I, I really think he's going to run it back another year and make a decision after that next year. All good news for Vikings fans. Clearly, I would. Uh, the defense got yeah. better, I thought, under his schemes and, and uh, tutelage, certainly. Uh, speaking of uh, collapsing at the end, that happened to the Timberwolves last night. Uh, they just, they, I really think they just ran out of gas. Yeah. I mean, they, they fly the day of the game, second night of a back-to-back. Uh, Gobert and Conley are out, so two of their best players are out. Uh, the guy who runs our offense is out. And they played great basketball for three and a half quarters, and it just felt like they just lost they just didn't have a little bit of extra energy you need to keep great shooters from scoring. Mm-hmm. Tatum got hot. They um, had a bad ant turnover there toward the end, and they just got beaten overtime. I really think it was a fatigue loss. I think I actually thought they played great for most of the night. They did. It was just the last two minutes that kind of went awry. Yep. Uh, and it was yep. kind of and, and, and there are some great stats out there about how good the Kimballs have been under Chris Finch when they have a lead in the fourth quarter or yeah. five minutes left or two minutes left. Uh, we've seen a couple slips lately, uh, but I don't think – there anything to be panicked about? I think it's been more fatigue, or who, who's who's available to you on that night, or maybe maybe just Ant's uh, shot selection, which is going to be a work in progress. Yeah, and that was kind of the conversation that uh, Finch had after the game was we need you know the ball stops moving sometimes, and yep. it's a work in progress with Edwards. I think probably number one. Yeah, and I just the simplest things work so well uh, when Conley's available to you. And last night was different because he wasn't. Yep. Uh, when Conley's available to you, have him run the offense, have Ant either spacing the floor or coming off picks where he can catch a defense that isn't set up solely to stop him. Uh, and then Ant from there can drive, shoot, kick, whatever. Uh, and I think that puts him in the best. When Ant is staring at five sets of defenders' eyes and every move he makes is shadowed by five sets of feet, he's going to have to work so hard to get shots off and so hard to be efficient. And it just, you know, there's a better way. And we've seen it lately. We've seen mm-hmm. them have games where they move the ball so beautifully that they, everybody gets open shots and everybody scores. It's, uh, it, it's uh, you know, a situation they're still in first. So they get through this gauntlet that we talked about before they entered it, 17 games or something like that against teams with, with winning records. And they and they come out of it 9-6 uh, and six or something like that, 9-7 and seven, uh, during that. And, and still in first place in the Western Conference. So they've survived the gauntlet. Uh, now they just hope they don't let go of the rope a little bit against the, a weaker team in Portland tomorrow night. Right. And this is where they go from having to prove that they're a good team that can play anybody, which I think they have, mm-hmm. to having to prove that they're a mature team that can beat teams they need to beat if they want to stay at or near the top of the standings. This is a very good test for them. Come home. I've had athletes tell me the toughest games are the first game back home. As you get home and you submit to another, wants you to run errands and you know play with the kids, and, and all of a sudden, you know that the solitary lifestyle you have on the on the road is gone, and you're also preparing for a game. So it's always interesting to me how well a team plays when they first get back to town. Yeah, and has a puppy he's got to take care of after all. There uh, you go, a famous IG uh, and is that puppy. The same puppy that caused Jordan Addison to speed. 
<laughs> I don't think so. I think it was a different one. But, yeah, could Good be. <laughs> hey, uh, so the Wild get a look at Jesper Parnovic in an NHL game uh, for the first time. Oh, Jesper Parnovic. <laughs> Jesper Wallstead, who they drafted yep. in the first round. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a tough night. It's a learning process. Yeah, I don't know how much to put on him. And you, you can't say he was good. Yeah. Um, I also don't think you can say it was all his fault or that a debut, a tough game in a debut uh, is the way we should judge him. He's, he's going to have some time here to, mm. to establish uh, how good he is, whether he's a big part of this. I mean, the, the move is obvious, right? Mm. By next year, they would like to have uh, Gustafson as their lead goalie and Wallstead as their backup, and that very well could still happen. But you know, the tough thing for this team is they're not playing well, and they really need goalies are saviors, and those are hard to find. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be zero degrees in uh, Kansas City uh, for game time when, when Miami gets there. Now, I was enjoying following the Miami team. I watched the in-season uh, show on, on HBO, and, you know, I, I was pulling for them, but then they kind of went south at the end. It's going to be tough for them to win in zero degrees. I think so. Their, their, history, their history is terrible in cold weather. It's going to be really cold. Um, now, Tyreek McKillen knows how to play on that field, obviously, and he's played in cold weather there. But the Chiefs also know how to take, you know, what to take away from him. Uh, so you're probably going to have to see Waddle, if he's healthy, and a running game and some underneath passing, move the ball. And Miami is a lot like the Cowboys to me. Uh, mm-hmm. If they get you down early and if they can use their skill position players to get a lead, they can just whip you all day long. Mm-hmm. If they have to fight it out through four quarters, they're not quite the same team. So uh, I think it's going to be a fascinating matchup. Uh, I think... You know, if you were just looking at rosters, you'd probably pick the Dolphins, but under these circumstances, I like the Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, who do you like overall to reach the Super Bowl? I, I love the Ravens, mm-hmm. and I really do think the bye week in a long season where everybody had tons of injuries is a big deal. Yeah. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson has matured as a person and a passer to the point where he's ready to lead a champion. Uh, I think the rest of the AFC is weaker than we thought it would be at this point. Mm-hmm. So I like the Ravens. I like 49ers. I yeah. just think they are cut above everybody else. I think the way the Eagles have played defensively uh, and with some some problems in their offense, I think the Cowboys are the only team with the talent to take on the 49ers and really beat them. But they have to do it on the road, on grass, where they usually don't play well. I, I love the Lions. I think they're fun. I still see them beating the 49ers on the road. Yeah. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.